I will say this just for a moment this morning as a church family. I do think Christians and followers of Christ, we go into New Year's like this asking some different questions. So, so let me just give you a couple questions to think about going into this new year just as a church family. and uh, I think we ought to be asking these questions all the time. Question number one is this. How will you pursue growth as a disciple in 2024? What's it going to look like for you? There's some incredible resources uh, available to you. You'll hear more and more about these even today. Uh, we do have a Bible reading plan. We as a church, we're to be walking through the book of Ephesians. And I can't wait for that. We have a resource available to you where we can walk through this together. You'll hear more and more about that. I think there's even another question that goes with that this morning, and it's this. How will you pursue the growth of others as a disciple maker in 2024? What's it going to look like for you? You happen to be at a church where there's endless resources and tools available for you to grow as a disciple in this brand new year and also to equip and challenge you to grow as a disciple maker. As you invest in the lives of others in this brand new year. Man, hopefully at the end of 2024, you're able to look back and say, man, at the growth God has brought in my life. And hopefully you're able to look back at the string of people that you have personally invested in by God's Spirit in 2024. So, good to be with you this morning. Here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to wrap up this Advent series this morning. And then again, next week we'll jump into... Brand new book, Book of Ephesians. So if you've been with us through December, you know that we've been asking some questions of one another. We've been looking back. We've been remembering the birth of Jesus during this season. Also, as a church, we've not stopped there. We've intentionally been looking forward to the sure and steadfast, rock-solid promise that Jesus is coming again. Amen? We build our hope on that reality. The Bible calls us to remember, and we've been doing that. The Bible calls us to anticipate. We've been doing that with the same certainty we can look history, with the same certainty we can look forward to the history that's not even humanly written yet. We anticipate the return of Jesus. We've been asking the question of one another okay, how do we wait well? We're in that place between his first coming of Jesus and this absolute sure second return of Jesus. How do we wait well as his people? And we've talked about that. We've said we wait with hope. Uh, we've said we wait with purpose. Uh, if another day, another month, another year goes by and Jesus chooses to not return, it is for absolute purpose. We wait with purpose. We wait with grace. We wait in joy. Talked about that a little bit last week. And this morning we're going to wrap this up. We're going to be really practical today. Uh, we're we're going to focus on this and then we're going to put it into practice as a church family this morning. But this is our big truth this morning is this. Jesus' followers wait with prayers. We wait with prayers. What does that look like? What role does prayer, a consistent, God-honoring, scripture-saturated, spirit-driven life of prayer, what does that look like now in our season of waiting 
as we look forward to the return of Jesus. And then we're going to spend a season of prayer together this morning as a church family in just a few minutes. So when it comes to the return of Jesus, nobody in the Bible talks about the return of Jesus more than Jesus. Spoke of his return, told us about his return. In fact, in Matthew 24, you don't have to turn there, but verse 31, Jesus says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Of that day when he, speaking of himself, the absolute reality of that day when he will return. Matthew 24, 42, he says, therefore stay awake. Jesus was very concerned not only that we build our lives on the rock solid promise of his return, but we wait well. We stay awake, we stay alert. He said, therefore stay awake for you do not know what day the Lord is coming Every year, every new year, all the prognosticators are going to come out and they're going to say, well, because of this event and this is happening here, this is happening here, this must be the year of Jesus' return. Could be. We don't know. In fact, Matthew 24, there's two chapters dedicated to the return of Christ. It's called the Olivet Discourse and Jesus teaches extensively on his return and he teaches parable after parable, and here's two big takeaways from those parables. One is this, in light of his return, be ready, he may return tomorrow. But another parable teaches a different truth, and it's this, be faithful because he may not return tomorrow. He may delay, he may wait. In the teaching of Jesus, we know absolutely he will return one day. And equally true is no man knows the day nor hour. So we're called to wait. And we're called to wait well. Now in Luke chapter 21, that's where we're going to be for just a few minutes here. And then we're going to flip over to Luke 11 in just a minute. So keep your Bibles handy. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is here and. Luke 21, and he's teaching his disciples and he's teaching others about future events. What does the future hold? As he teaches here, we're going to start around verse 27. He, some of the things he teaches on here in this section come true in that generation, like the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple that happened in 70 AD. Some of the things he teaches is, have already happened. What he teaches on has yet to happen. Luke chooses to connect here the return of Jesus and how that fuels or informs and motivates our praying now. So one of the ways we wait well is we wait as people of prayer. And Luke's going to teach us that. Jesus is going to teach that here beginning in verse 27. I'll read a few verses and give you some big ideas that flow out of it beginning in verse 27 Jesus himself says and then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory again there's no equivocation that Jesus says without question there will be a literal visible return to the earth 28, he says, now, 
When these things began to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Talking about the attitude, our alertness in light of his return. Now jump down verse 34. Until that time of his return, Jesus says, but watch yourselves. Again, Jesus is intimately, specifically concerned with the attitude of our heart, the alertness of our spiritual senses, which tend to be so easily dulled. Amen? True for me, true for you. Jesus is teaching this here. We all have such an easy propensity to be focused and alert and Then our senses just grow dull, our spiritual alertness and diligence and eagerness. Jesus says, lest your hearts be weighed down. You can relate to that. He says, with dissipation or emptiness and drunkenness or distraction or dullness with all the cares of life. And that this day, the day of his return, will come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. He says this is a global reality. One day I'm returning to the earth. Be ready. Jump on down, verse 36. But, says it again, stay awake. Stay awake. Stay alert. Jesus in this day was aware of all of the messages and voices and things around us that tend to distract and to dull our senses. And listen, this was before the days of social media. This was before all the things that can just dull our senses. And he says, but stay awake at all times. Here's your verb. Here's your call to action. Praying. Praying. You write in your Bible, star that, underline that. He says, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand. Stand these things for just for the Son of Man. Now, let's talk about these things for just a minute. Here's your big truth again. Jesus' followers wait with prayers. It's painfully practical here in the teaching of Jesus in light of his return. He's going to answer a couple questions for us in Luke. And these are the questions we're going to chase this morning. Why pray as we wait? Why is it so essential? Why is it so important? And there's a hundred different reasons we can give. But he's going to give some specific reasons here. Why we faithfully pursue consistent prayer. Scripture saturated corporate prayer as God's people. And then he's going to give us a how. What does that look like practically? We'll talk about that this morning. So first question, why pray as we wait? Look back at verse 34 quickly. Jesus says this, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. The the idea of being weighed down here again is, is this heart that tends to grow faint or this 
heart that tends to be burdened with so many cares and weights and anxieties of the world. Jesus says, watch yourselves. He says, you may be weighed down with dissipation or emptiness or drunkenness. That's the idea of this dullness and the cares of life. And that day will come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. Here's your first big idea. Why do we pray as we wait? Here's your first one. In our waiting, prayer guards our hearts and our minds. Jesus says there's a grace that is given to all believers, this this thing of True, God-honoring, Jesus-empowered, Jesus-enabled access to the Father that we have in this gift called prayer. He says there's a grace in this prayer. As we pray as God's people, there's a, a guarding that takes place of our hearts, our affections, our attention. There's a guarding of our minds, our thoughts, our intentions, our plans. That the world in which we live in is actively attempting to distract and to dull and to weigh down with just weariness. I'll give you another translation. This is out of the New Living Translation. He says it this way. I like the way it takes one of this word. I'll just read it to you. Your hearts be dulled out. Don't let your hearts be dulled. By carousing and drunkenness and the worries of life, don't let that day catch you unaware. So Jesus says one of the reasons we pursue this grace and this gift of prayer practically is it is a grace that guards us against dullness of heart. Protects us against a distracted heart. Man, it helps us from entering into this weariness of heart when we just want to quit. Jesus says, during this time of waiting, one of the characteristics of a disciple of Jesus is that we are men and women of prayer. Gives you a reason. He's going to give you a second reason here. Verse 36, kind of keep on going. He he says this again. He, He says, but stay awake at all times praying. And this idea of praying, this is a... An idea of an ongoing posture of our lives, of our minds, of our hearts. That it's this posture toward God, this constant awareness of this almost constant communication going on. That you may have strength to escape all these things before going to take place. And to stand before the Son of Man, Jesus speaking of himself. Here's your second big idea, why pray as we wait. Secondly, in our waiting, prayer strengthens our faithfulness. It says if you're going to walk faithfully during this time as we wait and we, we know he's returning, but each moment and day that goes on and he hasn't yet returned and we're waiting with purpose and joy and all these things, there is a strength that is afforded to you, child of God, through consistent, scripture-saturated and prayer, prayer alone, and prayer with God's people, both. We'll talk about that in just a minute. 
Look closely, verse 36, he says that you may have strength. The idea of strength here is it's an, an, an enablement, an empowering. Let me just remind you of a reality as we're going into 2024. The life of following Jesus is not difficult, it's impossible. Left to your own strength. Left to your own resources. If the thought is, man, I can't keep up. I, I don't know if I can continue to pursue this way. And there is a weariness and there is a distraction. But I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm just going to do my best. And I'm going to make a resolution and I'm going to try harder. Life of following Jesus is not difficult. It's impossible of your own strength. And Jesus says you never have to be left to your own strength. Access, gift of prayer to the Father. Access to God Almighty, he says, to stand before the Son of Man, speaking of his return. Not that prayer in any way earns a standing, but prayer is a grace that strengthens our soul as we wait in faithfulness for the Lord to return. Illustration really quick. Remember back in the gospel account, the night before Jesus is going to be crucified, he he gathers his disciples there in the Garden of Gethsemane and he takes three of his disciples on with him and he, he's telling them of what's going to happen and he goes a little further and he's praying to his father and this is what he says to his disciples hours before his arrest, Jesus knows what's coming in the lives of his disciples, but they don't. We don't know me. And we enter a brand new year and we, we don't know all that this brand new year has for us. We don't know the challenges and the victories, the wins, the losses. We, we have no idea. Jesus knows them all. Same way in his disciples here, Luke 22, verse 39, he says to them, And he came out and proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him, Pray. When he arrived at that place, he said to them, Pray. Your responsibility and your call in this season right now, he says to them, is to pray that you may not enter into temptation. In other words, there's a strength that is afforded to you, child of God, in Christ, because of your constant, unending access to the Father that will enable you to faithfully walk through what lies ahead of you. Jesus says, pray that you will not enter into temptation. Now, it gives us a couple whys there. Why, during this season of waiting, do Jesus' followers wait with prayers? Well, it guards our hearts and our minds. It, it strengthens us as we pursue and strive for faithfulness. Now, let me get even more practical with you this morning. I want you to take your Bibles, turn from Luke 21, and turn over to Luke 11. Luke chapter 11, Jesus is going to teach a really a how-to session on some practicalities in this thing called prayer. We could spend all morning on this. We could spend weeks on this. I'm going to read just a few verses, and then I'm going to come out of this and give you some big ideas. Prepare our hearts for a season of prayer this morning as a church family. So why do we pray as we wait, and then how do we pray as we wait? Luke 11, verse 1. Now, 
Jesus was praying in a certain place. I want you to stop right there for just a minute. <laughs> Again, we could spend all morning talking about this reality of God, the Son of Gospels, and you behold the life of the Son of God, the Son of Man, Jesus, as he walked on earth. Jesus' life was consistently characterized by prayer. Jesus was a model, a man of prayer. We see that throughout his life. He, in Luke 5.16, he prayed alone. In Luke 9.28, he prayed with others. He, he did both. In John 79, he prayed for his friends, for his disciples. In Luke 23.34, he prayed for his enemies. Mark 1.35, he prayed intentionally. Scripture says in the early morning while it was still dark, he got up and went out to a lonely place and was praying there. There was intentionality. In Luke 23, 46, he prayed spontaneously. It was just the overflow in the moment. Jesus prayed. Jesus models and teaches prayers. The disciples knew that. He was praying in a certain place. When he was finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Verse 2, Jesus says, and he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Now, remember as we read through this model prayer, Jesus is not giving us a mantra to mindlessly pray like a chant. It's not this, this, this but this, this is the, the heart that is to drive our praying. What are we to pray about? What are some truths out of this? Verse 3, he says, pray this way, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone tempted to us and lead us not into temptation. Verse 5, he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. So he's going to teach a motivation behind prayer, even a, a posture in prayer here with a quick story. Verse 6, a friend to another friend at midnight, he's out of bread, he needs some bread. He says, verse 6, a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, I've got nothing to set before him. So a friend arrives, he goes to his neighbor at midnight, knocks on the door and says, Hey, I'm out of bread. Can you give me some bread? His friend, verse 7, he will answer from within and says, don't bother me. Don't you know it's midnight, man? Go to Walmart. Go get your own bread. Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot give up, get up and give you anything. Jesus says, here's the point. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence or his shamelessness or his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And then Jesus says this to us, and I tell you, ask. It'll be given. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open now. Quickly, I'm going to just give you a few big ideas that come out of this of practicalities that Jesus teaches us in this how-to when we pray. Verse 2, 
He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Big idea number one is this. In our waiting, we pray intimately. Jesus models here and uses a word that was almost foreign in that culture and that idea. You're not who is uninvolved, deity, who is uncaring, who is uninvolved, who is unaware. You are praying to your heavenly Father. You are praying to your heavenly Father who has made the way for you to have complete open access to him through the Son Jesus. And it's through the Son Jesus that you pray to your Father. You have an indescribable gift of unhindered access to the presence of God Almighty who has already set his perfect love on you. Listen, something hit me even last night quickly. In Christ, you never have to run from the Father. No matter what happens, you can always run to your heavenly Father. There is, if you're in Christ, always. There is a deception that is, no, we must run away. We must hide. We must come up with an excuse. In Christ, run to your Father in prayer. Jesus says, pray this way. Verse 2 again. He said to them, when you pray, say... Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Here's a big idea. The next one, in our waiting, we pray scripturally. Scripturally. Listen, I can't articulate with enough passion that the energizing gift to my own personal prayer life and my life, and I want this to continue to grow for us corporately as a church, is he has given us the word of God to read, to study, to meditate on, and to fill our minds, and to pray out of the scriptures, to pray scripturally. Scripture-saturated prayer life, it will change your prayer life. Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my words... Abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That doesn't mean hey, it's a lucky rabbit's foot, I get whatever I want. If your mind is saturated with the living, breathing word of God, your prayer life will be different, and your heart and your mind and your intentions and your requests will be aligned with His. And your prayer will be different and impactful and God honoring. Tim Keller said it this way our prayers should arise out of an immersion in the scripture. We speak only to the degree of Bible and pray to from the word of God. The wedding of the Bible and prayer anchors your life down into the real God, not some God of your imagination. We immerse our minds in God's word and it energizes and informs and awakens our life of prayer. Quickly, verse 2 again. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Next big idea is this. In our waiting, we pray worshipfully. Worship. One of our motivating factors as we pray is that we seek our God in prayer because he is worthy to be sought in prayer. 
He's worthy of the labor that it involves and the time it involves. And as we have a high view of him, when we take the scriptures and we pray things like the Psalms and we pray these incredible passages, it lifts our view and our eyes of our great God and we worship him. Prayer is to be worshipful as you pray God's revelation back to him and you grow in your view of who God is. Keep on going. Look down at verse 9 really quick for sake of time. He says, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks big ideas. And the one who knocks, it will be open. Let me give you a next big idea. In our waiting, we pray consistently and we pray specifically. Jesus here is using a verb tense. Remember how we say all the time, verb tenses matter, right? You're going to be really impressed. This is a present imperative. Wow, it's incredible. It means it is a command, but it is an ongoing command. The idea of what Jesus is saying here is this. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Don't stop. And he says prayer is a record ifically. I hope there is a record in your life, maybe your journal, maybe as a family, maybe as a a go group, whatever it is, where you record these specific requests of God, and then you're able to go back and track his faithfulness. Pray consistently. Pray specifically, Jesus says. And then as we wait, and we wait well, and we wait in anticipation, let me give you a couple more. You don't have to look these up. I'll just... Read these two. You're going to go to the end of the story, right? As believers, we know how this story ends. You don't have to go there. I'm going to invite the team to come on up. We're going to kind of move into a time of responsive singing, and then we're going to have a time of corporate prayer. Let me give you two more. Revelation 22, 17 says this. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Who's that? The Holy Spirit of God. That's the bride, that's us, that's God's people are saying, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Here's your next big idea. In our waiting, we pray missionally. Listen, your prayer life is to be on mission. End of the Bible, when the God and the bride story is written, we know how it's going to turn out. He says, The Spirit of God and the bride, the people of God, are continually saying to those who have yet to respond, Come, come by faith and receive this gift of Jesus Christ. Turn from self, turn from sin, turn in repentance and faith and receive Christ. Who are those going into 2024 you are praying for by name? They will come to know Jesus. Then finally, the, the book ends like this. Revelation 22, verse 20. He who testifies of these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Peace of the Lord Jesus be with us all. Amen. Final big idea. In our waiting, we pray expectantly eyes toward the heavens we pray in faith now knowing it will be soon faith will be no more and it will be sight 
when our King returns. We pray expectantly. I'll end with this. A pastor friend of mine has this saying. It's so encouraging to me. He says, we pray. We pray because there's an empty tomb in the Middle East. We pray because there's an occupied throne in heaven. And we pray in anticipation that one day there is a king who will return. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for this time. Turn our attentions to you now in song. Turn our hearts to you now in prayer. And Lord, may we be people who pray in light of who you are and in light of your promised return for Jesus' sake. In his name, amen.